You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Kenneth. And tonight, we're looking at the Star Hunter Redux episode... Spaceman! The Transutopian comes across an uncharted debris field in space. It's not on any of the charts, and there are no reported missing spacecraft, but it's the wreckage of a big ship. They move to avoid it when Caravaggio picks up a life sign. There's a pod in the field. For some reason, there's a debate about whether they should bother to try to rescue a survivor from a wrecked ship, In the end, they decide, what the heck? We're not doing anything better at the moment. Inside the sarcophagus-like space pod, a young man is alive. Percy is touched by him, in more than one way. He doesn't remember his name, or how he got there, or much of anything, and Caravaggio's record search turns up nothing. They put out a general, can you identify this person call to the solar system? They also find a very valuable shuttle in the debris field, and a disagreement breaks out about whether they should salvage it. Apparently in this timeline, salvaging wreckage is illegal, but leaving a survivor to die isn't. Percy takes him back to her cabin to rest. On the way, he touches Rudolfo and Marcus, too. There's a bright purpley aurora whenever he touches someone, but no one seems to notice. Or if they do, no one seems to care. Soon thereafter, Percy and the unidentified stranger are making the beast with two backs while Rudolfo and Marcus are plotting a mutiny. They trick Travis and Callie into believing that there is a survivor on the shuttle. So they go after it, but their shuttle has been sabotaged and they are left to drift. Now it's Rudolfo and Marcus's turn to disagree. Rudolfo wants to sell the Transutopian and the shuttle for profit. Marcus wants to join the Raiders and be a space pirate. Percy finds that the guy, whose name might be Mishkin, has loved her and left her. On the shuttle, Travis's distress call is answered by Colonel Orlando, and he says, Sit tight. Mishkin's a terribly dangerous guy, and the crew of the Transutopian are all in serious danger. Rudolfo recovers from whatever was ailing him, and he fights it out with Marcus until it passes from him, too just in time for Colonel Orlando to board the ship in search of Mishkin. He explains that he's a failed bioweapon that needs to be killed, and is also his son. Percy catches up with Mishkin, who's trying to get back in the pod. He remembers everything, and he convinces her that he's evil, so she puts him back in the pod and sends him back to the debris field, where, presumably, no one will ever notice his life signs and rescue him again. Colonel Orlando leaves, and as it's his duty to end Mishkin, he crashes his ship and his crew into the debris field, killing everyone except Mishkin. The end. Okay. What do you got for me on this one? This, um, I think, well, as as I told you um, off the recording um, a couple weeks ago, recording time, the um, this one this episode reminds me a bit of the naked time from star trek the original series is that there's some condition that reveals what is what pe- what what polite people are hiding 
No, we, we all we all conceal something. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I can. I'll look at. I'll this. run with that. I look at this and I wonder. Okay, so let's. So we could talk about what our characters are concealing beneath their facades. Yeah. So here's the thing. I remember you saying that. I and all right. We'll we'll go back to the naked time in Star Trek, and we'll just take a quick look here. In that they get this disease, and this disease lowers inhibitions and insecurities. And and these things which have been simmering beneath the surface come forward. So Kirk and his worry about his command and not having a date and Spock not being able to say he loves his mom. And, uh, you know, okay, we can, I can buy off on those. Nurse Chapel and her longing for Mr. Spock. These are all things that are sort of there. Sulu and his D'Artagnan fixation, not really. Uh, we just don't know the character well enough at that point. And... There's been no indication of that. Um, and then, of course, O'Reilly and and uh, I should feel like I should know the guy who kills himself, but I can't off the top of my head. But anyway, those characters just simply, they're just telling us this is what lies beneath in them. There's no, yeah, I, I believe that because I've seen these hints of it and it's just brought to the fore. On these three characters, and only three of them are infected, Percy shows absolutely no difference whatsoever to the Percy we've seen all along throughout the entire series. And frankly, I don't believe that deep down below, this is what Rudolfo wants to do. And I don't believe it's what um, Marcus wants to do. I don't buy it. I don't, I don't think this is something that's deeply uh, buried in their psyche as something that they've let loose. This is, this is, not believable behavior. Now, if Marcus had taken up ballroom dancing, I could believe that. And if Rudolfo had gone after women, I I could uh, believe that. It just doesn't. It just doesn't jive. I I don't actually think Rudolfo is, to his credit, as awful as what came out here. And I and Marcus. The last thing he'd want to do is to go back and join the Raiders, surely. So I, I don't. I, I I think that if that was their attempt to do this, they didn't really do it very well, um, and, and not believably, anyway. So what we get is we get two characters behaving completely out of character. So okay, well let's look at this. Um, okay, for example, we know I know. Well, I, anyone else who's studied the first season unaltered knows that uh, Rudolfo is quite simply greedy. I I, I don't doubt that. And, I think and he so, is and greedy. So, so I, but what I'm actually looking at here is taking something that lies underneath and then putting an, an accent on it. And we, uh, there is a line in this episode, which uh, it's when uh, someone from when Orlando and his men show up on the tulip. And Orlando's second-in-command, who's listed as only a soldier number one on the credits, by the way, um, has a scanner. Do you remember this thing? Mm-hmm. It says the adrenaline. That's right. The, the, the adrenaline levels. talks about the adrenaline levels. So apparently whatever Michigan did with the touch apparently did something to, the, to alter the levels there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, there's – yeah, there's the – there's the babble. There's the techno babble. 
No, yeah. it's adrenaline. People will know adrenaline. That's your flight and flight, fight or flight right. response. Exactly. And the explanation for Michigan in the episode is that he was more or less a Trojan horse, supposed to infiltrate a group and he may make them destroy themselves. Okay, so therefore he should be trying to make them be something that they are not, right? I mean, if you just, if you made a group full of people drunk, then you would not, uh, you know, except for possibly driving into a, a barrier or something or running a red light, uh, this is not going to lead to massively destructive behavior. Impairment at best, but it is a failed weapon. So who knows what they were trying yeah, it was to a bad do. Thing. Well, what it, I could tell you is... Um... Uh, well, trying to get not to get too personal here, but my father um, had Alzheimer's disease, mm-hmm. and it affected him in a certain way, which was it peeled back the positive parts of his nature. And the man I saw at the end was saying the most terrible. At the end, was saying the most terrible. It 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 it, it stripped back. It, it revealed and laid bare what he was sitting on well this is this is a very um in in i realize this is a very personal case in your case but this is a a, a philosophical argument too is yeah. it your brain is being altered is it can we be sure that what it is doing is peeling back the layers as opposed to changing the layers that are there and 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 that is my point okay. that he you know, it's making them do something atypical, but it may be something that without brain alteration, this is just not, it isn't there in that personality. It's it's been introduced as an external, which I think, you know, to compare it to the naked time, that is, that is I'm told, after the fact, uh, that it was intended to strip away so that we could get a look at these characters, I don't feel like that's what's happening here. I think that this weapon is supposed to be, if it were indeed, that it is trying to be to introduce something that will make them destructive. So you're not necessarily seeing anything that isn't that that is that is there. That is something that greedy though Rudolfo is, I don't think that he would leave somebody to die and sabotage them out. That he knows. Now, let let me clarify that, because obviously this episode has the utterly ridiculous scene where they actually debate whether or not they should try to rescue somebody in a crashed, unknown crashed starship that no one's ever heard about. It's like, wait, there's a life sign out there. I don't know. Should we? I mean, you know, what's the point? Well, the point is it's probably illegal not to. (laughs) For starters... Um, because that's typically the way that goes, you know, if there's a, if there's a, in maritime things, if you get an SOS or you don't leave them floating in the water, it just isn't a thing. And I didn't really feel that was particularly well done. So could just be the writers don't. Well, on the other hand, on on the other hand, the way the story plays out, um, it seems to vindicate Rodolfo who didn't want to pick up the life pod. Yeah, that is kind of, um, well, but you know, it, it, no, it doesn't vindicate him. He should have picked up the life pod. You don't, you don't go, you do, his position was, you don't know why he's out there in a life pod. Yeah, I kind of, you kind of do. You, you kind of have to make the assumption that 
that I'm going to have to make the assumption that Rodolfo's argument was is like it, he could it's bad. It's not, yeah, it's bad. The ship's blown up <laughs> for crying out loud. This guy could be the last survivor of the ship, and you're going to go, yeah, 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 no. I, and because it turned out bad, doesn't doesn't vindicate him. His actions are indefensible, no matter what the outcome. If you rescue something and it turns out badly, you still did the right thing to rescue them. Uh, they have no reason not to rescue him. There's no big flashing light on it that says, quarantine, don't open, or anything like that. That might have been different, right? Why did they open the pod if it looked like a... It, it, I don't think they did. I think it just opened on its own. It just... I don't know. <laughs> it's like it, was, it just didn't... And then the fact that they want to turn around, and it's like, oh, wait, now there's a ship out there. That's worth some grazits. I... Uh, you know, let's go back and get that. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, no, that's illegal. It's like, really? Really? Is that illegal? I mean, yes, there are some issues about maritime salvage that it's not always 100%. If you find it, it's finders keepers. But, uh, you know, a lot of time what happens is if you find something and you salvage it, you just have to take it to the people who have the legal salvage rights and then you get a cut. So... You know, as long as you, you're on the up and the up, which they completely are here. They, they didn't blow up the ship. They didn't do anything. They came upon it, and there was some valuable salvage on it. They took it, and then they handed it over to the proper authorities. They would have gotten money out of it, and they'd have been fine. If they'd, somebody had found out it left a person alive out there, they would not have been fine. You know, they didn't, there wasn't even anybody that said, hey, let's call somebody and say we found a life sign. So they'll, you know, send a rescue ship so we don't have to deal with it. It's just, nah, it's poorly thought out, poorly constructed, I I thought. Um, okay, I got to tell you, I watched this episode and when I was done. I was like, got nothing. I got nothing on this. I, I took about two hours to think about this at great length and I got f- four items to talk about. I have some, and I have more than four. So I, I might turn them over to you, but I want to ask this one. Yes. Uh, I'll get my other two. One, I've said this in the past, and I'll say it again. Does this really strike you as being a terribly good idea for a weapon? Uh, Assuming it even worked very well, it just seems like a yeah. dumb plan. And I, well, <laughs> it was a dumb plan, and he was um, it was a failed experiment. I think that episode made that clear. But even if he could control it, even if he could control this, and presumably by control it, that means who he affects, not just everyone he affects, he affects everyone he touches. So if he could do that, would this still be a good weapon? Because it just doesn't really feel like it. No. But then again, um, what's the old saying that military intelligence is a contradiction in terms? Yes. Yes. But, I, I, you know, there's one thing they're good at, killing people. Yeah. And coming up with new ways to kill. And yes, the CIA has done some pretty crazy stuff to try to figure out uh, for, for you know, like trying to spike Castro's cigars with LSD yeah. or something. I've, but, I've heard those stories and the poison chocolates. And uh, I thought um, this was the best the CIA could do. Exactly. So you kind of wonder. And, and here's one that thinks. So that, that's one. And then the other one is, well, there's a, ca- a cautionary tale here. Why conflict of interest laws and rules exist. Uh, general 
or colonel in charge of a project does not experiment or even supervise his own children. Bad idea. Really bad idea. What makes one wonder uh, what the Saturn Federation military is up to? Was it Saturn? It's Saturn Federation, yeah. They're they're, they're in the area of Saturn. Um, And the other one was, what? I mean, here's my, I'll go, go back to my actual notes. Okay. Okay. Um, which are very, uh, you know, they're, they're for me. So they, they read like this. I'm a monster. I don't deserve to live. I hurt people more kissy kissy. She sends it back to the debris field. They go to the debris field. The ship blows up. What? How? Huh? That's it. That's the end of my notes. It's like, what the hell happened at the end of that episode? Did Orlando kill them all intentionally? No. Why did he kill them all? It looked like he sure did. Uh, he was, I mean, he wasn't the debris, doing anything that would the catch debris, the, the debris field was dangerous, uh, and he, you, he found out how dangerous, didn't he? Yeah, I know. I mean, he managed to hit something about 10 to 50 times bigger than his ship. Okay. And I'm kind of hoping that maybe that in Star Hunter... 2300 they had a better ending because that ending no, made no sense it was the same ending mishkin got away and uh presumably the next ship that comes along is gonna go hey there's a life sign and they're gonna rescue him and this is gonna start all over again without colonel orlando to know what's going on and so the problems will continue and he, it just it wasn't clear what he was doing and frankly at that point his second in command should have said, you know, I think let's not ram into the giant space junk. I, I yeah. can see him maybe following him into the into the zone, into the debris field. But at some point when you're flying straight towards a thing that's, you know, asteroid size compared to your little ship, you kind of think maybe, maybe we should turn. Maybe let's let's put on the brakes, boss, something. But no, let's plow ahead and all die like a bunch of, not at all like a bunch of lemmings which would not do that. but And this is why no one should send a guilt-ridden father in to do the mission. And which is why you should have your conflict. Of, exactly. <laughs> it's like you shouldn't. This is, this is extremely, everything about it is badly thought out from every level. Um, as, as is stranding the shuttle in the debris field. Because we already know shuttles are valuable. Why would... Why would um, uh, Rodolfo want to waste the money if he's going to sell the Transutopian? He could sell, sell that shuttle, too, along with the other shuttle and get even more money. Yeah. There's got to be an easier way no, to be fair to get rid of Travis and Callie. Well, to be fair, when Rodolfo did that, he was not his usual self. <sighs> that, is a, that is a true statement, and, and I cannot argue with it. I... So we've already I'm not we, satisfied we, with it, been, but it's the best. It's, <laughs> it's, only, it. it's the only one I can have because we've already seen in this season that Rudolfo has lured out into the open uh, those who would seek to kill Travis and then killed them. Mm-hmm. Yes, but that's not quite the same as what he did here. That's quite different. Um, yeah, so. I, I, I'm just, yeah. I mean, we can make the argument that he's he's crazy, Caravaggio's words. I think. Um, yes, it but, is the word. Yes. Uh, it you know 
you're at risk there when somebody's doing something crazy that you can't make sense of it and you have to ask yourself in real life it would be different in a tv show you just have to ask yourself did they just not think this out um the writer not not rodolfo because if 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 what he's pursuing is profit then that would have been what he was more concerned about than than those two and let's face it there's a lot easier ways to kill him there are yeah also um there's an open question here about how long Michigan can live because as Orlando says he must be dying it's unclear as to what he is in that pod too is he just alive and fine or is it some sort of suspension pod or he seems to be on I hope he's unconscious in there yeah so I mean why was Michigan trying to if he, if he knows he's bad and if he knows that he's just going to continue hurting people and he wants to not hurt people, why is that his solution to get back in the pod? Why was he in the pod in the first place in the debris field? What happened to the ship? The um, that the inherent the implicit answer is that he did something to cause people on that ship to blow it up because people on that ship to blow it up. Okay. But somehow he ended up in the pot. And then the ship blew up and blew, and he blew out with it. That's, that's what I took. <sighs> Again, sure, but it's kind of unsatisfactory. You know, how, 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 I would love to know how the ship blew up. Maybe a captain's log or something where they're all taking a shower in a frozen planet or anything where we get a feel for they turned off the matter antimatter and they tried to mix the engines cold or just uh yeah i i don't get why he's in a pod that that just doesn't make any sense in at the end of this it makes sense he is intentionally trying to get into a pod and he is trying to get out of the ship is that what he did on the other ship it very well could be and yet somehow it blew up around him and it didn't destroy the pod well-designed pod but i don't know i just mm. all right the, literally like i said percy shows no difference in personality whatsoever in this as far as i can tell so mm, it got ex- that, and that's it she got a little bit got, got a little bit heightened but percy seems just to be herself though doesn't she which you know honestly speaking if if the argument is is that this effect causes you to be your most self-destructive, then maybe it just doesn't work on Percy because she is self-destructive and has been from the word go. It's like, can't can't improve perfection on that one. <laughs> She's the perfect weapon to destroy a ship from within already. In fact, they could just make her a bioweapon. Yeah. And she's been trying to destroy the transutopian from inside like every other episode. So, yeah, and we saw no evidence that you know that she that she had it that it burned out nothing. Yeah, I was remember watching the episode again the last couple of times and kind of wonder see when does when did the effect wear off because I could see when it wore off in Rodolfo that was yeah. obvious and when it was very quite apparent when it wore off on Marcus. Yep, and then yeah, did it wear off when she was asleep? Um, so when she woke up, yeah. I mean, then of course they went back, and he was in the uh, cargo bay or whatever that was, 
and mm-hmm. touched him again. So as far as I know, at the end, at, at the, end of the episode, it was still it was still going on. Didn't go purple though. No. So I I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not, or the fact that nobody noticed the bright glowing purple touch. Uh-huh. That one was a little. Was that in the original as well? Yes. Okay, so no no excuse for saying that's enhanced special effects that no. were ill ill conceived. No. Okay. I do have this for you to uh, consider at the beginning of the episode, uh-huh. right? Both when people are talking about whether or not to rescue to, um, to rescue the life pod, right? Um, there is a cut portion of a scene from the Star Hunter twenty three hundred episode. Okay. And I bring, and I understand that this podcast is not about comparing every every difference between the original episode and the Redux version. But when something seems seems obviously cut, I think it's relevant. Okay. And there's Fair that. Enough. Okay. And so when you look at, so if you think about the opening of the episode, and Percy says, "We'll send the Beatles out there." Yeah. And people look at her. That made me think: Is there something cut here? Yes, there is. And right. and Percy looks at people who just don't say a word. And they just look at her. And she looks and, and she says, and I quote, It's okay. I fixed them. They won't attack us again. <clears throat> Apparently, at some point between episodes, the crew had sent out the Beatles to pick something up and the Beatles attacked them. But that's not in an actual episode. It's in the Star Hunter twenty three. Ver- it's in the it. I no, 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 no. I mean the attack. No, no, it's not. So it's an event that never happened in the series. Do you think they just removed it because it somebody would look at that and go, "What?" I mean, here, here's my here was my take on the the, the scene as that uh, Percy said, "We'll send the Beatles out." Everybody looked at her, and I thought everybody looked at her like. What the heck? Percy had a good idea? That's what I took out of that. Because, you know, usually she's not really one for logical, rational, well-thought-out plans. It's like, okay, you've got recovery stuff. Send it out to get it. They're not, they're robots. Do it. Eh, didn't make any sense. But I could, I could, is it possible that there's another episode where that either did happen later on and they got him out of order or that? No. It was supposed to be in an episode that never got made. Possibly option number two. Because that definitely sounds like a reference to a previous episode. Because um, huh. eh. if it's meant to be a joke, it's not funny. Uh, and uh, and you would wonder how the Beatles could attack you anyway. Because they're outside. Uh, yeah. All right. Huh. Strange. Yeah. There's sometimes I um, notice these little... Obvious, obvious cuts. For example, the um, difference in the length of the episodes. Um, there's about it's about four. The Redux episode is four minutes shorter than the original episode. That's a fairly hefty amount of nipping and tucking. Yes, exists. It is. So yeah, I, hmm, I thought well that that'd be something interesting. Beetles attacking the tulip. Okay. Or a shuttle or something. I don't know. It, it piqued my interest. Mm. Well, if you find anything. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's an odd <laughs> light error. The writers were Nilu Giron and David Wheatley. Well, there you go. Why don't you just ask him? Nilu Giron 
wrote mostly in the first season. He wrote the first and the last episodes. Right. And in the middle, he wrote Trust. It's the one with the cousin, the homicidal cousins. Mm-hmm. He wrote Siren's Song. That's with the guilty virus. Remember mm-hmm. that one? And Dark and Stormy Night, in which the orchard mm. offs um, Luke's father. Huh. All right. Well, yeah, I knew that was a name we see uh, regularly. And David Wheatley is usually a director. But in this case, he did uh, take his hand at, at screenwriting. And he he directed this episode. He, and uh, previously, he directed Rebirth and Biocrime. And then there are four more in the season. Okay. All right. Uh, what else you got? Uh, I did notice this one. About nine minutes in to the Redux episode, uh, somebody forgot to re-dub Caravaggio's line because that's the old Caravaggio's voice. Okay. I thought there was a weird voice. And but, you know, yeah. sometimes it just sounds a little weird. I also, I'll I tell you what I did notice in this episode that I thought was uh, a little strange. There is a scene on the bridge where they are talking to Caravaggio and he's just com- not there. He's just not on the screen at all. They they are talking to, to empty air and, uh, you know, he could be off screen to the right. But the way that the picture is framed up, it's kind of weird. As if maybe they forgot to lay in the actor. Could have been. In the Redux version. Yeah. And they just, they didn't have time or the money or, or whatever. Yeah, quite possible. And the other thing that I'll I'll just say, and, and again, not, we, we're going to come back to this whole, Rudolfo's not in his right mind and therefore anything he does doesn't have to be logical. So therefore it's not a plot complication or it's not a, a plot flaw. It's a, it's, it's because he's nuts. Uh, I, that is an unsatisfactory explanation to me, but I think the fact that everyone can still access and control Caravaggio, no matter where they are on board the ship, is a bit of a flaw in this. Because I don't know, Travis could. How about how about this one? Hey, um, Caravaggio, send the Beatles out, bring us in, or well, we're headed off to Io. Hey, Caravaggio, why don't you not head off to Io and come back out here? Because Travis is the captain of the ship, and he's should be able to tell Caravaggio what to do. Yeah. There must be some pecking order there as to who who gets to tell Caravaggio what to do. And that seemed to be just, you know, well, you know, we're all talking to him. So what's the big deal? It's a, it's a valid <laughs> point. So I also, that was a little weird. Yes, it is. Also, I did freeze the frame at one point. In, at the beginning of the episode, there's the debris field. I noticed some writing on a piece of debris. It said, Thunder Bay, Terra. Thunder Bay, Terra. Mm, okay. Thunder Bay, I did, of course, my, Google is my friend. Uh, Thunder Bay is a city and a region in Ontario. It's probably a probably an uh, an easter egg for the people in Ontario. It's an easter egg for somebody. Yeah, so like, okay, easter egg in a, in a Canadian east easter egg for a Canadian series. So there you go. Yeah. I also noticed that um on the wall in Rudolfo's quarters, by the way, he'll have to get new quarters now. Or he just fixed the door. Fix the door. He burned the hole through the burned a really big hole through the door. That whole that whole thing about him possibly cooking really 
was overplayed for something that made no difference to the yeah. story. Yeah, the the script needs the script needed another pass. But anyhow, I did notice that back on the wall there was a painting of a dog. Yeah. This is a little pet peeve of this gets to a little pet peeve of mine in science fiction series and movies. Have you ever noticed that all these people who are on space stations and on spaceships seem to have space scenes on their walls? Uh it's fairly common to have them, yes. And I think that's a lack of imagination yeah. on behalf of the thing. So, oddly enough, I'm just going to throw this one out there in a really bizarre, total non sequitur. Uh, Deep Space Nine. Yeah. The Commander Sisko's quarters has a picture of a painting of a planet surface tree, uh, planet in, um, uh, I think it's not eclipsed, but, you know, in crescent and, and whatnot. I have that exact same art print oh. that i got at a convention <laughs> i mean it's a numbered art print yes. so uh i had to go dig it out because it was on my wall before the uh, car drove into my uh house <laughs> oh that's not good <laughs> and so it's in it's in storage now but i had to go find it when i saw that i go i've got that i've got that painting <laughs> that's funny <laughs> yeah. but but, yeah. but it is sort of a space scene but it is planetary based yes but it is but i would space. think when you think that people in space stations on spaceships would have pictures of fields and animals and trees and I don't, something i genuinely don't know because i have space scenes and i feel like if i were living in space i'd probably still have space things up but but yeah you make a you make an absolutely valid point i can i can see that I can see that. Um, mind you, I did have a question about the paint. I, I get that this is a luxury liner, but or was a luxury liner. But that scene where uh, they were making out next to the picture on the wall, that is just some bizarre-ass artwork yeah. to have on a wall on a luxury liner. I mean, that's almost as bad as all the clowns on the wall at Circus Circus in Vegas in all the rooms. Just look at that and you go... You know, that's just ill-advised. This is just a bad picture to have on the wall. So I'm guessing that the set designer liked pictures because you brought one up and I brought one up, which means that of all the time we've been watching Star Hunter, this is the only time anyone's ever noticed artwork on the wall. Yeah. One (laughs) time I sort of noticed there was a diagram of the ship, but I figured I'm kind of... Yeah, utilitarian kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, and of course, course, the little boss relief out in the corridors but yeah mm. now that makes a little more sense though you know that's 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 like corporate branding yes you know that that if you go to hotels or something they'll you know they'll have the carpet with their logo or some image that they like and they might have that in the door frames and things because i don't know why but it's branding thing so I, that one made perfect sense to me but just that that one stray picture hanging on the wall it's just like okay Interesting. Yeah, that uh, I do have one more question, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure quite what to make of this. And um, it's, it's worth asking, therefore. Uh, what was that with Michigan's face? I have no end? idea. Was he turning into the devil? Uh, as wondering, his voice changed, and yeah, I, I that was yes, weird. Here, let me show you. You know, your mother sews socks in hell, or what? <laughs> it's like it just—it was really, 
didn't make any sense to be quite honest to me. Must be uh, uh, must be a side effect of the treatment or whatever the military did to him to uh, make him the Trojan horse. Was well, kind of weird though that he said, "Let me show you." Mm-hmm. And then did it. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I could accept that. Okay. I, I could accept that if, let's let's go with metaphorical devil. Okay. Okay. Because that's kind of, you know, the redness, the sound. I mean, if he'd pulled horns, that would have been a, a cinch. But, you know, that that's kind of that metaphorical devil. If we had had a better... Uh, What's the word I want to look for? Understanding of the motivation of the characters. If we could put that to temptation, to to the seven deadly sins, to anything like that, then I could see the connection there. And yes, Rudolfo's greedy. That's that's greed. Okay, I, I'm pretty sure that's one of them. And uh, and and Percy, that's uh, sex. I'm pretty sure somewhere along the line, that's one of them. And I'm not sure what Marcus was. Well, I wonder. I wonder if he was in any way like that when he was a raider. He did say he grew up with them. He did say that, although it sounded entirely like that was not true from the episode where he was in the the drug streets. It sounded like he did not grow up with them. It sounds like they took him off the streets. Yeah, I'm, I haven't quite worked out the chronology of Marcus Fagan's life. They haven't either. Yeah. So yeah. Don't don't work too hard at it because they uh, don't know either. Yeah, said, this script could have used another pass uh, or two. Uh, but anyway, I've gone through my notes. I, I don't know. Yeah, I I could I could definitely see if you could if you could tie this into some sort of seven deadly sins kind of thing or the the temptations, then that would make more sense. And even the mindset behind the people creating him would make more sense. And I'm going to ask this question and I'm not going to really expect an answer from you, but all right, you can give me an answer to this one. Just but go no more than yes or no. Okay. Okay. Is this a manifestation of the divinity cluster? Ooh, I haven't thought of that. Um, so it's obviously not tied up no, obviously later no. on. D- okay. No. Okay. Cause this is what, that's what called my mind is, as you will recall during season one, every time some weird phenomena came along that had no consistency to any other weird phenomena, they all ended up being something to do with a divinity cluster. And this is a military weapon. I could see, you know, I could see another one of those kind of things, but okay, cool. Well, that is, uh, I think that's it. I think next time it's Becoming Shiva. Is that yeah, correct? That is correct. The next episode of Star Hunter Redux is Becoming Shiva. And um, we get into env- and um, we get into environmental terrorism. <laughs> There's environments left to terrorize? All right. Yes. This should be good for... <laughs> uh, we haven't seen much in the way of environments uh, on these planets yet. So, all right. Good. No, and, and, right. And, and people will... A character will talk about that. Okay, excellent. Oh, oh, oh! You know, all right. I'll give it. I'll give it thirty seconds uh, before we cancel off. There was one last thing. Yes. What was up with Travis and Callie on the shuttle? Was that just hey, let's try some sexual tension time for the audience? Oh, they were they were obviously flirting. Okay, I, I because you know they hadn't been touched, so there's no reason to believe that they're under the influence of this guy. So this is just them doing okay. This is just the progression. Yes. Well, in that case, kind of thank you for joining me. My pleasure. 
And listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. There are over 500 previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on Twitter, our website, or Facebook. Find out how you can become a supporter at Patreon.com slash Fusion Patrol. Supporters get early access to all regular episodes, bonus episodes, and more. There's even an optional podcast series where we're looking at the classic TV series, Babylon 5. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.